The weather is finally getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year, like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost like the middleman that passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. I am so excited. I have two gorgeous, lightweight cashmere sweaters coming my way. One camel, one heather gray. I cannot wait to wear them in the warmer months when it's chilly in LA. Throwing them over my shoulders going to look so cute. Can't wait. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash judging Megan for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash judging Megan to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash judging Megan. And now back to the podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This show today is being sponsored by Why Do We Say That? The hysterical father and son team, Scott and Liam Kelly, who explained to us why we say sayings like Matt is a hatter, joined at the hip, cat got your tongue. I've always wondered these things, by the way, but they're so cute together. You can tell what kind of relationship they have. And you can find Why Do We Say That? on Apple, Spotify, wherever you stream. Well, hello, everybody. You are listening to Judging Megan with your host, Megan Judge. I just have to tell you guys something. I have decided that I am going to remove my tattoo that I got when I was 18 years old. It was the dumbest decision. So if you are a mom and you have a kid, I think that they can listen to my story. So I went to get my tattoo because I thought I was a total badass. And I was with my friend, Kara, who's one of my best friends. And she and her boyfriend, John, who we love and is in heaven and passed away years ago, but I still think about him. 
um, we went to get this, they came with me to get the tattoo and they were like, you're not going to get a tattoo. I was like, oh yes, I am. And so at that time, um, sunflowers were really in. And so I got a sunflower on my hip <laughs> and moral of the story, ladies and gentlemen, once you have a baby, your body changes and your stomach stretches out. And I, my stomach stretched out quite a bit with both of my children and then it deflates. And in the location where I decided to get that sunflower, well, I'm just going to tell you it has now turned into a weird stretched out bird. And it does it. It's not normal. It is not a normal shape. When I have to go to the lady doctor, I'm always embarrassed. Like I can't, part of me kind of feels like, is she wondering if that's like a weird sun? Is it? And it's all faded and it's just like gross. So like a lot of girls are my age, women, thank God I didn't get a tramp stamp because I was really considering one and God, thank God I didn't get one. So. Ashley, my guest who's on right now, did you ever, because we're around the same age, did yeah. you ever get a tattoo? Yes. Yeah, so I have a Hello Kitty tattoo that I got when I was around 20 on my hip. Oh <laughs> my God. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. Mm -hmm. Do you still have it? I do still have it. And um, but what does it say now? Does it say Halo? No, it's literally the Hello Kitty character oh, so there's so no words say. or anything it's okay, just a, like God. a little hello kitty and that was actually um one of my biggest worries when i had my hip replacement was that what was she gonna end up being and is that <laughs> because is i it... couldn't exactly dictate where they did the incision no i'm happy to report that hello kitty is intact she was not altered in any way um she's not as cute as she used to be but uh it's okay but do you regret getting Hello Kitty? Um, just no. say yes. Just okay. say yes. Yes, I regret I, it. I'm saying this to all the youngsters. Young that people might be. don't do it. No. I mean, I'm all about like whatever you want to do. In my situation, the, the, the sunflower was not my best decision. I wish I, I could change it into something else. But let's start the show. Everybody. So we are lucky enough today to have my special guest, Ashley Podell, a longtime friend of my husband and myself. And she's just a wonderful, I, I, I hate saying woman or lady because it makes us sound so old, oh. but but and, and like you know, I mean, now we when are. we go to the grocery store, do you do you get ma'am? They yes, started getting ma'am. God, I hate it. Mm -hmm. Anyways, Ashley has decided to share her story on the podcast today. And I'm just so grateful. Also, I just love this person. It, she's somebody that like I haven't seen in years. So we're both on Zoom right now. And it took us a good 15 minutes for me to, as usual, get my Zoom video to work. Um, but it's just so great to have you on today. So hi, Ashley. Hi. I'm so happy to be here and to see you on Zoom. Ashley, you still look like you're 25. You're such a liar, but thank you. No, you, you look amazing. You, 
you really will know I, I mean, I have no, no we can just spend this time talking to each let's, other about how wonderful how the other one looks and then and how young how, they look. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, let's, I mean, I think people would rather have listened to a <laughs> podcast about that, but, um, on a serious note, right. On a serious note, Ashley and I met, I mean, this isn't serious, but we'll get into the serious stuff. Right. Ashley and I met, um, when we were in our twenties, mm-hmm. Ashley and my husband were in an acting class together with our friend, Stephen Bowman. Stephen was also on yes. my podcast and we kind of all were like, became like friends with each other and would like hang out and do stuff. And we were just like young and could do whatever we wanted back then. Yes. And um, <laughs> Ashley ended up also marrying an actor. I did. That, that has been on soaps, like my husband, Ron. So do you want to talk about um, our meeting and how you kind of like quit the business and got married and a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I think we should also point out that we have a little joke that we're basically like the opposite versions of each other. Like the Jew, I'm the Jewish version of <laughs> Al, and I are the Jewish version of you and Ron. I mean, it's so it's kind it's of funny. true. It's uh-huh. kind of funny. We're like the the like blonde version of yes. you guys, and you're like and the, the darker dark. hair. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have parallel lives, I think, and also we, um, you know, that I'm a gay Jewish man trapped in a woman's body. Yes, as am I. Yes. Okay. We just like, that's why we like each other so much. Mm-hmm. But just to like backpedal a little bit, I remember when you and um, your husband were, were, you know, you were like, I'm thinking about quitting acting. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get married. I can picture it actually perfectly, <laughs> like sitting in my apartment at the time in mm-hmm. West Hollywood. I you remember. remember was, it on, was it like uh, on Norton? Yes. Oh my God. That was, that was when, I, can't believe um, I remember that. That was when Ron and I had just moved in together and we lived on Norton behind Santa Monica Boulevard. Yeah. And that was like one of my favorite places we ever mm-hmm. lived. That's so funny. Um, but I wanted to kind of like talk about, like, let's start with your youth. Well, I grew up in Philadelphia in the city. Um, single mom teacher. My father um, moved to New York when I was around two. And um, so I basically was just raised with my mom. And then I would see my dad on weekends. Um, You know, I had a relationship with him. But um, definitely in the 70s, 80s, it was sort of the rarity to not just have divorced parents, but have one who was, um, you know, not in the same state. Um, I went to a Jewish day school for elementary and, um, just kind of moved around a lot. Um, I would say, I mean, I had a, I had a happy childhood. It might not have been traditional, but definitely, you know, always felt loved and, um, encouraged to kind of be who I was. And, um, and yeah, I always, were you, were you always creative? From a yeah. young age. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you came yeah. out that way because you're very, um, you're very funny and witty. And I love, I also wanted to start the show also talking about how you decided to write this book and how you are, you, you are maybe a little bit obsessed with your cat sugar. Just a little bit. Yeah. I mean, 
Sugar, by the way, I've never really been a cat person, but Sugar is the cutest cat I've ever She's seen. Ridiculous. She's like a like a, a being. So talk about let's talk cat. about your book before we go into the okay. other stuff. So um, my book sort of started. Um, so let me just sort of backtrack. I, yeah, no so problem. I, had, um, I had hip replacement surgery in end of January, 2020. And um, I was recovering when everything shut down. I was about to start back at work um, and I got furloughed. And so I was just home. Kids were home. We were all here on top of each other. And um, I mean, I had a lot of time on my hands. I'm not going to lie. So I am obsessed with my cat, as you know, and anyone who follows me on social media or knows me at all. And I just, um, I began taking pictures of her. She would jump up on the kids' desks and sit with them while they were Zooming. And I just started taking pictures just because I thought it was funny, but also it was a way to kind of keep my parents updated on what was going on. My dad's still in New York. My mom's in Philadelphia. 3,000 miles away, and they were both by themselves. And so it was a really fun way just to kind of keep them posted on like what was going on throughout our day to make them feel connected. Um, my son, for his, he was in fifth grade at the time, he, he picked Sugar up and he introduced her to the class. And I guess everybody was sort of sharing their pets. And she just kept jumping up on the desk, or if there was a computer sitting on the sofa. Um, she would get on and, and start looking. So I just had, I just documented all of this stuff. Um, you know, summer came and went and then the new school year started, she started doing it again. And so I sent a picture to my mom and she responded and said, you know, you really should write a children's book about this. It's hilarious. And so I just thought, you know what, that's actually a really great idea. And I sat down and I wrote the first draft of the little cat that zoomed. Okay, where can people get the little cat that zoomed? The little cat that zoomed is for sale now on Book Baby. Okay. Um, by the way, Ashley sent me a copy, and Ella, my daughter who's seven, is obsessed. And now she would like me to purchase sugar. So <laughs> if sugar. you can tell me where I can get a sugar, my husband would kill me, but I think that we can all relate to the, yeah. as being parents to the zoom thing and to be able to find like kind of a light like you did and be creative is something that I think is amazing. And, you know, sugar is just, she's a real uh, piece of work, I would say, but in a good way. I think for the story, um, I mean, obviously it's based on my cat, but sugar is sort of like anybody, human, animal, parent, kid. And it's basically you know, we were all thrown into this insane situation, no matter where you live, how you live, what age, and everyone kind of had to navigate. Um, and so, you know, sort of the idea of the story is that sometimes our biggest challenges give us the biggest opportunities to grow. And I think everyone can relate to that on some level. So, um, you know, this just happens to be the cat's experience of like, oh my God, everyone's home and in my way. And what is going on and I don't like it and into like, huh, okay, well, let me kind of lean into this and see. Yeah. I, I, I love, I love that you did that. You talked about your upbringing being happy and then kind of 
shifting into, you know, moving to LA because we both mm-hmm. had the same journey. We're both East Coasters. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that's kind of a crazy story. Um, and I'm going to leave some names out um, <laughs> so I don't get... you. I always change people's names to Food. like, into <laughs> like, you know, Ginger. Brenda right. is a good one. I like using Brenda. There's always Karen. Karen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so proceed. I... Um, so I, I went to NYU, I was in their theater program, loved it. It was an incredible experience. Um, loved New York, uh, had no real interest in California or coming out here. It wasn't really on my radar. Um, I happened to come out here during my junior year, spring break with a friend of mine who was from out here, who actually her name is Karen. And that's like the real name. That's a real name. (laughs) That's a real name, Karen. I know. Um, and anyway, um, my father had done some work. He's an event planner and he worked, um, with this organization. And one of the chair people was a very, um, pretty major Hollywood television producer. My father called him, said, my daughter's going to be in town. Would you meet with her? Um, she's graduating not for another year and a half, but you know, any advice on the business would be, you know, great. And the guy said, absolutely, send her over. So I ended up, you know, I was 20. I went to the studio. I was like, what is this? It was crazy. I'd never seen anything like that. I went in just thinking it would be like a five, 10 minute, like, hey, how are you? Like, you know, simple. It ended up being like an hour and a half. I was, he he had me doing monologues and reading things and it was, it was totally insane. And at the end of it, he said, you're really funny. You're so great. I think you're different. Um, And you really should move out here for pilot season. And I'd love to help you and get your career started. And I was like, oh my God. And I left and I was just totally in shock. Um, And, um, And that was it. He ended up reaching out to my father to say, she really needs to be out here. I would love to jumpstart her career. And I mean, this was an opportunity that people dream of meeting this person. Um, Anyway, I ended up um, cramming my courses into the summer. So I finished, I graduated college by December when I was supposed to be there through, you know, the following May. And I literally packed up my life. My dad and I got on a plane in January and, um, and I moved to LA and I called his office and I've never heard from him since. And that was in 19, that was January of 1996. So I was, you know, 21 at that point. I had literally, I didn't know anyone except for my friend, Karen, who was back in New York because she was still at NYU. And um, a few of her friends were kind enough to sort of, you know, show me around. Um, I was living at my uncle's apartment in Culver City. Like, I literally had no idea where I was, what I was doing. And, and like I said, never heard from him again. So I had to I, really, from the ground up, like, figure out what the hell do you do to pursue this. Okay. <laughs> I can I yeah, I might not you maybe told me that story but I don't remember it that is unbelievable mm-hmm. and I have a similar story and this this should be a lesson for all young people I don't know if you experienced this because I moved to Hollywood same thing didn't know anybody mm-hmm. with a random friend of a friend 
who ended up kind of not being a very nice guy. I mean, we weren't like a couple or anything, but he was like, hey, I'm driving cross country. I heard you're trying to move to Hollywood. So drove all the way out here. But I have stories like like you do. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just this place, especially for young girls that are trying to become actresses or famous. There's you have to be so careful. Yeah. And my story that's similar to that is I was working at the time at La Colonial, which (laughs) I don't know if you remember that place. It was like one of the hot nightclubs. It was on Beverly, right? Yeah, it was on Beverly. It was on Beverly. And um and I remember this guy coming in and he was like, you are the next Catherine Zeta Jones. This was before I was with Ron. I was young. Mm-hmm. I was like newly out here. And I was like, what? And Catherine Zeta Jones at the time right. was like, you know, really big. Mm-hmm. And of course I'm like, oh my God. I remember like we had those like giant brick cell phones at the time. And I called my mom <laughs> and I was like, mom, this CAA agent wants to sign me. He says that I'm the next Catherine Zeta-Jones. And of course, my mom's like, I always knew it. (laughs) You know, like she was like, oh, like, that's so great. Just so the audience knows, CAA and William Morris are like the biggest agencies at the time where we, where, when we were like in our 20s. Yeah, Yeah, I guess they still are. But uh, this was like a big Mm -hmm. deal. So this guy tells me he's an agent at CAA. So I go the next day to have a meeting with him. And so I remember waiting downstairs in the lobby and they Mm -hmm. called me up and he was like, oh, we're like so excited about you, all this stuff. Well, turns out that that person was not an agent. He was an assistant and he was trying to sleep with me. So I can relate to that story, but I, that yours is the worst of anybody I've heard. Well, what's weird about mine is there was no, I mean, there was no sexual thing in there. There was nothing like I needed to do a favor or, I mean, it was just, I mean, he called my dad and said, she's so awesome. And I want to, you know, I want to jumpstart her career. And I mean, it was, it seemed really on the up and up. so it, it just was so bizarre. I don't, I still, all these years later, don't really understand what his point was. Um, and look, I'm here, I'm still here in LA all these years later. And obviously there's a reason for everything, but it, but now, especially as a mother, I mean, I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> How you do kind you do of wonder, that? Like, you know, why somebody would do that? And yeah. I like up, I mean, I uprooted my life. I graduated early. I missed so many things that, you know, I would have loved to have experienced. Um, And just to have like no response ever uh, was just, it's just so bizarre, but. It kind of like leaves a piece of like, like your life always like wondering why would you do Mm -hmm. that to somebody? So that's a good message for, for I, I, especially young girls that want to, move to Hollywood Mm -hmm. and pursue acting. I know that like people have asked me about it before and obviously we both quit pursuing Mm -hmm. acting, but I, I I always say like, go to school, get your degree. Like if you really want to do it, have a plan, make sure you come out here with a plan. You know, I I, like you, I'll never regret Mm -hmm. moving out here because 
we're the same person. You're just the darker <laughs> version, like you said. And, um, and I think that everything happens for a reason, like you yeah, said. Absolutely. So it's, it's good. So when you actually, um, that happened and then you transplanted your whole life, then what did you do? Like you were, you were trying to pursue yeah. and had to start from scratch. I and- had to learn everything. I mean, this was back in the day, obviously before social media, I don't even think I didn't, I didn't even have an email. I mean, I was, I graduated school on one of those like word processor things that like, if you screw up one word, you have to like, you don't realize till you print it all out. And then you have to like go back I know, I remember. Like one little ribbon across. Yeah. Um, anyway, God, I sound old. But um, we're not that old, you you guys. (laughs) We're not. But basically, I just, I mean, I had to hustle. I I did everything. Remember that backstage magazine or newspaper? Maybe it's even still around. I have no idea. So I would just, you know, I got headshots and I would blindly mail them out. And, you know, to agencies, I did all those casting director workshops that you would pay. And then some casting director or most of the time, like their assistant would come and like, have an attitude and, you know, watch you do a scene and just go great. And then that was, that was it. Um, and then I just, I mean, I did extra work to get my SAG card and, and then eventually you know, got an agent and did some commercials and a couple guest spots and stuff like that. But it was like really all by just figuring it out and, um, you know, being aggressive about it and, and motivated uh, and driven. And also it's just such a hustle. Like, it's, oh, yeah. you know, like, I don't know what it would be like now. I'm terrified. I know I that can't you can't even imagine with, like, I know that your daughter element. is creative and I see that mm-hmm. she's a singer and my Ella is me reincarnated. Mm-hmm. So she knows like every word to Hamilton. She knows the entire show. <laughs> um, she likes rent, like, she mm-hmm. sing, we we sing musicals every day in the car. So I am definitely scared that she's going to want to go into it. And I don't know how you feel about your daughter, but at least now you have connections to get her in whereas um I I think that if 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 I were to think about how difficult it would be with social media and all the mm-hmm. pressures and everything as a parent, I would be terrified if my child were moving to LA to pursue this. Business. Oh yeah. It's, yeah. I would be too. I mean, I, I have to have faith that, you know, I, I my daughter's definitely smarter than I am. <laughs> um, and I think, um, you know, she's grown up in this world. And so I think that, um, you know, that's, that's totally different. You know, I was, you know, naive and I had no experience in Hollywood. And, and I think, you know, growing up with, with parents that pursued it or in the business, um, I just think it's a little, uh, you know, gives her a little more information than, than I had. And, um, and also people are so much, much more out there now about like things that are acceptable and not acceptable. And people can't really get away with, a lot now with the me too stuff mm-hmm. it definitely made a change in this business so why don't we talk about um the time that when you got to the point after you were kind of you know getting booked on stuff and getting work and then you had met Ron and mm-hmm. all of our friends who were in an acting class with uh Lee Kilton Smith yes. who's like one of the best acting coaches in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I remember that night sitting in the chair 
and you said, I, I, I think I'm getting married and I'm, and I'm quitting the business. And it was like a very, um, it was hard for you to talk about because you were kind of like, I'm sad about, you know, ending this. Do you remember that? Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, for me, it wasn't, it was more of just out of frustration because, you know, there were so many close calls, which, you know, at the time I think, um, would have been life changing and, and career changing, but you know, then it doesn't work out. And, you know, usually for me, the, you know, the reasons why you don't book a job and somebody else does, you never really, really know. But I think I was getting a lot of feedback about the way that I looked and that, you know, it wasn't pretty enough. It wasn't sexy enough. It wasn't this enough. And, and that was never really like what I wanted. My dream was like to be like the weird, funny friend on a sitcom. Like I never had these delusions that I was going to be, you know, the femme fatale or, you know, the, the woman that all the men are like, oh my God, she's so beautiful. Because that just wasn't, you know, that wasn't me. Um, and that's not being self-deprecating. That's just, you know, I mean, that's just the way it is. And so, um, some of these jobs that, you know, I would get the feedback on about, you know, the way I looked and it was like a quirky character or a funny character or whatever. And I just was, I just was so sick of it. And also, I mean, at that point, my opportunities to even go in for jobs were so few. So every, I just hung on to every single one because it could be a month. It could be six weeks before I um, got another audition. And, um, you know, and I was older, I was like 28, almost 29, you know, and I was still going out for like 18 year olds or 17 year olds. And I just was like, is this, you know, is this really what I want to do? And so I just came to a point where I thought, all right, you know, I'm hitting the 30s, I'm getting married, I knew we were gonna, you know, start a family. And, you know, is there something else? I've never had like a big girl job. You know, I've always done like personal assisting or smaller things that were more part-time. Um, and so I just decided that it was a good opportunity to, to try that sort of corporate nine to five work and to see if I liked that. I never at the time thought that I was necessarily closing the door on acting completely. Um, but um, yeah, it was a weird, you know, it was, it was scary. I remember that conversation. There's things like you can always remember about mm -hmm. people and I can remember that about you. What's interesting about what you said is I don't, I understand like the types because I was always like going out on auditions for like blonde buxom, you know, like mm -hmm. that, those kind of roles. And I remember always thinking I'm not pretty enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not this enough. I'm not that enough. And it always kind of was like, a mind F. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say, oh, I'll say the word, a mind fuck. It really yeah, was. Totally. I mean, it's a constant, you're not this enough, you're not that enough. And I had already been somebody that had dealt with eating disorders. And, you know, it was just, it's not a healthy thing for a, a girl, no, a woman in their not. 20s or thir even 30s. And I still know people, we both do, that are still in the business and it's a hustle. And those people that have become successful, that work their butts off for it, they deserve, they deserve it. Absolutely. Um, but like you, I then, you know, I was, I was with Ron for, you know, from my early twenties and we ended up getting married in our thirties. Um, I was, I was in a house of like 
he was the actor. And I was Mm -hmm. like, we can't both be actors. I can't be struggling. Ron was the one that was working as an actor. And I really had to come to the realization of, am I going to be like a bartender and a cocktail waitress for the rest of my life? Like I did, you know, I was a nanny during the day and then I would cocktail at night. Mm -hmm. And like you, I was getting older and I was just like, I need to get a regular job. And my funny enough, my first like regular job because I went into sales was selling credit card processing machines on Hollywood Boulevard. Oh, wow. Which was, let me just tell you, that was a really not fun job. (laughs) (laughs) I can't imagine why not. (laughs) So what was that like going into corporate America for you? Um, You know, I definitely, I would, I would, I can safely say like, I don't enjoy the corporate life, but there's something really satisfying about going in, doing a job, leaving, um, not really dragging it with you um, and getting a steady paycheck. And that became really great for me. Um, And also being rewarded for doing great work. Um, You know, I had an, I still keep in touch. She's become one of my really great friends, but um, Kay, who was my, my boss at the first showroom that I worked at, she was really incredible about rewarding people who were doing well. And so um, I had opportunities to sort of climb up in what I was doing. Um, What were you doing? What were you doing? I went into, it was a a wholesale showroom and I started as her assistant. um, And then she gave me an opportunity to become a sales rep. Um, and I went back and forth to her showroom over many years. I mean, I had kids, I went back, you know, on and off and she was always really supportive. Um, but it was, it was great. It was really the first time in my life where what I was doing, um, I was seeing, you know, the rewards from, and there's something really satisfying about that, especially coming from a place where, you know, you could go on like dozens and dozens of auditions, not get any feedback. If you do, it's not necessarily great and not get the job and, and just still be trying. So that was a really great thing. And what was that like? Because let's talk about your husband. Mm-hmm. He, um, he has been a working actor and now he's, he's a writer and a producer. He's a writer. Okay. He's a writer, yeah. Okay, so he um he was on like consistently on soaps, right? That was he, the he was on the Young and the Restless for a few years, okay. and um and he did another series. Um, he's done a ton of guest star stuff, um, like you know, multiple episode arcs and things like that. Um, so you know, he was he was working, um, he was working a lot, and um, you know, definitely uh, of the two of us seemingly on that, you know, going in the right direction. Let me ask you a question because we were mm-hmm. kind of talking about this before um, the show, like some of the stuff that like, you know, you brought up. My husband, Ron, was on um, American <laughs> Horror Story, which is literally yeah. my favorite show. I yeah, love my that daughter show. Too. <laughs> like I have a problem. Like I'm in a fan club on Instagram. Like I follow all of like when the new show's coming out. And I really only started watching it when Ron was on it. And now mm-hmm. I've caught up on all the seasons. But um my husband's bottom was exposed <laughs> <laughs> during the episode. Yeah. And um, so we were kind of talking about that. And it's just so funny because I wanted to know when I've always kind of been like 
with Ron on these like red carpets or whatever he's done. And I kind of feel like I've been like shoved to the, like the background because <laughs> totally. uh-huh. I'm nobody. And the, like one time he was in this, um, he did this movie. And so we got to go to the Cannes Film Festival. And the girl that's like his co-star to this day, if you Google my husband, our friend comes up as like his wife. Mm-hmm. So I was like, basically they like shooed me to the side. Right. And I was like carrying like coats or something. <laughs> totally. do you, can you relate to what I'm talking about? Yeah, absolutely. If you do a, if you do a search, I remember my daughter, she was really young and why she was Googling things. Maybe that says more about my bad parenting than anything else. But she Googled, <laughs> she Googled her father and like all these pictures with girls came up and it was his co-star on the soap and like some other stuff. And she was like, dad's cheating on you. <laughs> and I was like literally nowhere to be found. Um, and like, I didn't exist, which, you know, I'm okay with. Um, you know, I'm okay with it now too. Yeah. I probably wouldn't have been like when I was mm-hmm. young and I wanted to be like famous, but, mm-hmm. um, I just had to ask you that because it came to mind. Cause I just think it's so funny that they would be like, Oh, you wait over here. Yeah. You know? Stand right over there. Yeah. yeah. And I'd be like, where you okay. can't be seen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think also some of it was cause I had an experience with my best friend who's, who's also an actor and, um, right out of college. I mean, he was like on so many series and and doing really well. And we were living together um, at the time. He's gay and he's out now. So I'm not like, you know, outing him, but no one in the business knew because this was like, you know, in the nineties. And so he was really closeted about it. And so everyone thought that I was his girlfriend and he didn't correct them. So I was basically his beard, but even being his beard <laughs> wasn't good enough. And I remember going to this premiere with him and they wanted him, his, his publicist wanted like some starlet. And so I literally was like shoved off to the side, like, you know, I'm like just pretending to be the girlfriend. And even that I wasn't like good enough. So they, they had someone else walking with him. It's just so funny. It's, it's just ridiculous. such it's just such a messed up it's a messed up business. Um, my husband still like has not um he hasn't quit the acting business, but like because of COVID, he really mm-hmm. he hasn't worked. Yeah. And then he's kind of like pivoted his his career and now he's like a full time, really busy real estate mm-hmm. agent. What was that like for you when when Al decided to kind of leave the acting side of the business. Well, he never really left the acting side. It was sort of like the acting side kind of left him. Um, he he um, he wrote a script with his writing partner that got a lot of um, attention. It was on this um, this thing called the blacklist, which is like uh, the best non-produced scripts of that year. And then from that, um, you know, he got, he he started getting writing jobs, one of which took him um, out of LA for, I think it was like 14 or 15 months. And so um, during that time, I mean, he was really just, you know, writing. Um, And so he's done like a few small things since then, but, you know, I mean, it's a very fickle business. It's very like out of sight, out of mind. And so it's definitely been, um, you know, a struggle to kind of get back in and for people to, you know, remember him. And there's a lot of new 
casting people. And there's also, you know, a lot of like film actors who would have never dreamed of doing TV are doing things. And the so business the, it's, has changed, it's so changed much. a lot. So, I mean, I know that, um, you know, he still puts himself on tape. COVID's been a weird thing, um, you know, whenever an opportunity comes up. Yeah, it's like that for Ron too. But I think mm -hmm. um, aging in Hollywood for men is way better as like well, <laughs> aging for men is better in general like mm -hmm. I look at my husband and I'm like I get Botox I spray tan mm -hmm. I do filler I get my teeth whitened like nothing's helping anymore and he just like always <laughs> looks good and I, I know secretly hate him a little <laughs> bit because I, I think it's way. so unfair you know mm -hmm. like he still can see. And even if he has to wear glasses, he looks good. Whereas I feel like I look like, like the kid in the movie. Um, what is that movie? The, the Ferris Bueller's Day Off at the very end of the movie. <laughs> when that girl is like, do you want a gummy bear? I yes. look like her. I look like that kid, but I'm like an old no, version. Yes, I do. I do. Check it out if you haven't seen that. No, um, I know exactly what you're talking about, but. You know, I love this. I love our conversation because we can relate so much. And I know some of my listeners might be like, oh, well, this isn't like about trauma. Like most of my episodes are about, mm -hmm. you know, they all are about trauma. But to be honest with you, this is like in a weird way, like it's an, it's a conversation that I think is so important because it is like it is a little bit traumatic, like what you went through, you know, and also like being a young girl and like being in a city where you don't know anybody, I can mm -hmm. relate to that. And just kind of like pulling yourself out of, you know, these odd jobs and getting to a place where, you know, it's not like traditional, our lives, both no. of our lives, we both kind of had our ups and downs with money probably mm -hmm. and her husband's being unhappy you know if Ron wasn't working he would get in bad moods he would get passed up or he would have a pilot and it wouldn't get picked up and he had to bartend for years mm -hmm. and years to like you know bring home money so um I just I think this conversation is really important because I think a lot of people that are listening might not live in Los Angeles and don't understand what it's like. Right. So, um, so tell me a little bit about once you like, you know, you have two beautiful children, you were working and then recently you had to stop working. You were furloughed during COVID mm -hmm. and then you had to have a hip replacement. How did that happen? So, um, I sort of, the hip replacement, um, that whole thing was sort of, I, it's like a reverse, you know, that kind of happened before I had my whole diagnosis, but basically I have an autoimmune disease and um, it's a form of rheumatoid arthritis. And so that affects your joints. Um, and my hip was just something that came about. Um, I think I, I think I injured it exercising in a class and then it sort of all trickled down and so the injury kind of like uncovered um the rest of it and um so during this this whole past year of covid um i had the replacement like right before covid hit and i just wasn't really healing you know i i kept hearing about um people that were way older than i was who had hip replacements and were out you know 
two weeks later and oh, it's, it's so easy. And for me, it really wasn't. The pain was crazy, just the exhaustion um, and all of it. And so finally I went to a different doctor and, and she kind of uncovered through like MRIs and blood work and just my symptoms and sort of marking everything over the last like decade. And, and that's how um, she figured out that it's, it's rheumatoid arthritis. And so it made sense that, you know, part of that is like exhaustion and just, you know, not feeling well, the joint pain, my hands like would swell and like turn, like get these weird bruise marks and stuff. So anyway, um, during COVID, well, we're still in it. I also started like um, basically an immunosuppressant medication to help with my, with my joint issues. Um, so that was a little bit scary being, you know, in a pandemic and taking something that, you know, suppresses your immune system to prevent your immune system from attacking itself. That is um, crazy that yeah. you had no idea that you had rheumatoid, r- rheumatoid, is that how you say it? Rheumatoid yeah. arthritis. Mm-hmm. And we're dealing with it for all those years. Mm-hmm. And you were just like, did you just think, oh, this is normal, like to have swell, swollen hands or? No, I knew it, I knew it wasn't normal, but you know, honestly, like when I was working, I just really didn't have time to really think about myself. You know, I would, I would wake up, I would, you know, drop off one kid, drive, you know, drive in, tra- in LA traffic, which is a whole other conversation to my job work, you know, drive back in LA traffic and then, you know, deal with, wanting to, you know, talk to my kids about their day, have dinner. Sometimes it would be, you know, a late pickup, depending on what other activities that they were doing. And so I, you know, when you're, I find like when I'm super busy, um, I do a lot more than when I'm not busy and you just don't really, you know, your thought process is just different. It was more of just like being on like automatic. Um, And then the hit became, I mean, it, it, no matter how busy I was, it was sort of unavoidable, the pain. Um, but then once I was, you know, home and it wasn't, you know, really going the way it was supposed to is, and I had the time to really, you know, go to, to the different doctors and do other testing and stuff like that. It's interesting how like we might know in our heads that something's not normal, Mm -hmm. but a lot of times we put things off, you know, because we're, we're working, like I was a working mother as Mm -hmm. well. Um, you know, and I would, but I'm super paranoid. Like I could have like, a like bump my elbow on something and be like, oh my God, Ron, should I go to the hospital? So I'm kind of like the other extreme, but that's very common where women don't go to the doctors. They don't put themselves first. Mm -hmm. And so to get to that point where you were just in excruciating pain, that must've been. Oh yeah. It was crazy. I mean, I was, I was using a cane for a few months before the surgery. And then obviously after I had to use it as well. Um, But, you know, it was also like being so young. I mean, I was 45 when I had the replacement, you know, and I was like walking and complaining like an 85 year old. Um, And so there's like a bit of self-consciousness, you know, like, you know, I just didn't want to be that, you know, complainer. And so, you know, I just did what I needed to do. Um, and then, uh, you know, now I'm in a much better place cause I know, I know what, what it is and, you know, it's being treated and it makes me feel like less crazy because it's actually a real thing. Do you, so has, so the medications helped you? 
I think so. Yeah. I mean, I have to go in every three months and like do blood work because it's pretty harsh. And so, you know, they need to check my liver and other things and just make sure everything is, is okay. Um, you know, and I, and I see my doctor also at that point just to go over everything. Um, and so, yeah, I think I haven't had, you know, any MRIs of my hands recently, but they, they aren't, you know, the way they were, it's definitely better. The, um, my dad suffered from arthritis and mm -hmm. I told you before we recorded that he had hip replacement sur surgery in his forties as well. Oh, wow. So, um, I think that I can remember him being on the crutches mm -hmm. and it's, it's not, it was not an easy surgery to recover from. I know from following you on Instagram and like you being like, I can't even like get on my Peloton. We're on camera right now. And I see your Peloton behind you. Yeah. And it's basically right mine is at this point is just kind of like a, a statue. <laughs> mine is, um, my, mine has not been used to as the extent that I think it should be used. No, mine either. I, and I really, I'm going to say that I'm going to get on it today. Um, but that might not happen. Well, this is what I've been doing because <laughs> I listen to a lot of podcasts besides my own. Um, and um, I sometimes do the Jess ride or the scenic ride where I don't I've never have done that. Oh, see that way. I don't feel like I'm not using it. And then okay. I do the arm classes. Like I love Cody Rigsby. He's so fun. Yeah. He's like one of my I favorites. So I do his arms, but Ron uses it more than I do now. So I really have to get back on the Peloton. Have you done the wicked ride? No, but I've done like, I've done like any Tina Turner ride, share rides. Um, I've done, I've done a Hamilton ride, I think. Oh, I need to do that one next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next, the, meaning like I, I haven't been Wicked. on it in like two months. But I love that you brought up Wicked. I need <laughs> to get Ella into Wicked. Um, but I just think like it sounds like you're on the mend. So that's thank God you got the diagnosis and yeah. you like kind of figured out what was what was going on. So it must have been harder for you to be in COVID because you had to be even more careful. I mean, oh yeah, I yeah. was I was a little bit crazy. Um, so we were really, I mean, we were pretty locked down, but yeah, I was just scared that if I, you know, if I got COVID that it would be worse just because, you know, I was sort of starting at a negative. Have you had the, um, shot, have you had your, um, shots yet? Yes. Yes. Which one I'm did you get? Vaccinated. Um, Pfizer. Okay. See, I go and get my second one on Wednesday. Oh, good. So I'm scared, but Which everybody. One? Pfizer. Uh-huh. So everybody get your shots, please. That's listening yes. to this. So we can just get this to go away mm -hmm. and not have to wear masks till we're like older than we are now. Okay. So you had your shots. Yes. You're, you're doing well. You're on medication. Mm -hmm. What part of LA are you guys living in? Are you in the uh, valley? I live in, yeah, in the valley. Okay. Because at some point we need to get together. We've I know. been saying that our husbands and your husband's writing partner mm -hmm. is his wife is my friend because I live by the right. beach in the South Bay. We'll um, come to you. We would never make you come to the valley. Although the valley <laughs> is like, I like the valley. I've always like everyone I know that has moved to the valley is happy as long as I love it. But the show's a little bit different. But I always want to um, have stories of women and 
you know, I thought this story was important to talk about, you know, our, we both have very, had very similar parallel lives. And I love that you're doing well and you're getting healthy and your hip is doing better. And, <laughs> and I my love, Hello Kitty tattoo and, is And okay. we both have tattoos. <laughs> Thank God mine might be going away soon. But um, so I just wanted to really quickly plug your Instagram and your book again. If you want to follow Ashley and find out about Sugar, who, by the way, is the cutest cat, <laughs> like I said, that I've ever seen. Ashley, what's your Instagram? It's at the little cat that zoomed. Okay. So she can, you can also message her and um, ask her questions about the book. And, you know, it's just such a cute book. And then if you want to follow me, you can always follow me and send me your comments. Only nice comments, please. Don't send me anything mean. Um, At Judging Megan. And I thank you guys, as always, for your support. I really quickly, before I end, I I always like to support small business. And that's something I try to incorporate on the shows. So there is a very adorable store that has two locations in the South Bay in Hermosa Beach and Manhattan Beach. And it's called Beach and Beverly. And the website is beachandbeverly.com. And you can follow the adorable owner at Beach and Beverly on Instagram. And I must admit, that I buy a lot of my dresses. I love, I love her vibe. She's super cute. And if you want to go on the website and buy anything, you can use this uh, code judging Megan 20 for 20% off. So Ashley, I'm hoping you check it out. I love your dresses. I'm totally going to check it out. Yeah. They carry like, she carries like spell, which I love, like just a lot of really cute lines. So in closing, thank you, Ashley. It's so nice to see you. You too. Thanks for having me. And keep living, keep praying, and keep growing. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.